Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Spirit of where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Pirkei Avis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. So, Belezer Yishpatosa, this is chapter 3, Mishnah 7. Belezer Yishpatosa says that Tenlo Mishalo, you should give to God what belongs to him. Sha'ata Vishalcha Shalo, because what belongs to you and what, what is yours and what is his ultimately belongs to him. And it says also by King David in Divrei Yomim in Chronicles, it says, because from you is everything, and from your hand you have given it to us. Rabbi Shimon Oimer, Rabbi Shimon says, a person who's walking on the road, and he's learning, and he stops his learning. The Omer, and he says, he exclaims, How beautiful is this tree? Or how beautiful is this, is Manoah near is this plowed field? Mala, a love, a person does that, the scripture considers it, as if he is responsible. Again, we've seen this, um, this phrase, we've seen this many times, that he is responsible for what happens to himself because he was mevatel himself, he denied himself the opportunity to learn Torah. He was on the way, he was learning Torah, and therefore he is responsible for anything that will happen to him. Okay, that's the Mishnah. So the first thing we need to understand is that the first part of the Mishnah is clearly talking about the mitzvah of tzedakah. And the mission is telling us that that we should give to God what belongs to him, to realize that all we're doing is apportioning out something that belongs to God. We're giving it back to him because you and everything you have belongs to God. Now, first of all, why do I need that here in Pergyavas? Again, we ask this question very often, that if we're learning Pergyavas, which is ethical development of a human being, this is a mitzvah in the Torah. The Torah says that we have to give tzedakah. It's not, it's not necessarily an, an ethical, this is, a, this is an obligation. We have an obligation to give tzedakah, so give tzedakah. But why do I care how you give it? You give it, tenlo mishalo, give it with the sense that this belongs to God. Uh, who cares who, who you think it belongs to? At the end of the day, you have an obligation to give tzedakah, give tzedakah. You have an obligation to help other people, help other people. Why, does it, why is it necessary to have this tenlo mishalo? If we're talking about the mitzvah of tzedakah, then it doesn't really matter. And if we're talking about something other than the mitzvah of tzedakah, then what's the message of the Mishnah in connection to all the things that it says here? What's the Mishnah trying to teach us? Second problem that I have with the Mishnah is that these two Mishnayas are really very separate from each other. One is talking about the way you give tzedakah. The other is talking about what happens when you're walking on the road and you have the protection of Torah with you. You're sitting and learning Torah and then you're mevatu yourself, you, you, you um, waste your time from the study of Torah, you take yourself away from the study of Torah, so then that's kilu mishayv ben nafsho. So I don't understand what the, what the connection is between the two halves, the two, the two mishnayas that are clumped together as one mishnah. My other problem is, is, that, is this really true? If you're sitting and learning and it thunders and lightens, do you not make a bracha? 
if you're if you're sitting and learning and out the window you see a, a rainbow, you don't make a bracha. It's not considered a, a, a bit of Torah. It's not necessarily considered wasting time from the study of Torah. So what's the, what, what's the issue here? I don't understand what the problem is. You're walking along the road and you see something beautiful. You're, you're anyway, you're traveling, you're walking. So you exclaim, wow, this is really amazing. What's the problem? Why does the Mishnah give an example, two examples? If you're walking along the road and you say, how beautiful is this near? How beautiful is this Elon? I get the message. You, all you have to do is tell me one. How beautiful is this tree? Right? The person way stops from learning Torah. He makes an interruption and he says, how beautiful is this tree? What do you need the, the second one for? How beautiful is this plowed field? Just give me one of them. You don't need two examples. Why are you giving me two? My next problem, what's wrong with recognizing beauty? You know, the Ramam talks about that there are two ways that a person can come to the belief in God, come to a feeling of connection to God. One of the ways we come to a connection with God is through the intellectual way, through learning Torah. When you see the marvels of Torah, you see the, the, the beauty, the exquisiteness of Torah. When you're able to really plumb the depths of Torah, then you can, you can see God, you can feel the hand of God. As we've mentioned, you hear God talking to you when you're learning his Torah. But there's another way, and the other way is by looking at God's world. The emotional way of connecting to God, by looking at God's world and saying, Ma'robu Masach Hashem, how beautiful are the things that you have made, God? How amazing and exquisite is this world? To be able to stand by the Grand Canyon, to be able to look at the, at the Grand Canyon and to recognize that no human being could have created anything so magnificent and beautiful. To see a sunset or a sunrise that is, that is so inspiring, you come to an understanding of, of God and you come to the sense of feeling this closeness to God. So what's the problem? Walking along the road and seeing a, and, and seeing a tree where you, you're supposed to have your head buried in the ground? You're supposed to ignore what comes to you? Isn't that also a way of reaching God? And finally, You know, you're responsible for anything that happens to you? You're in trouble? I mean, it's not a good thing to waste time from the study of Torah to interrupt your learning, but Really? Like you're trying to scare the pants off me. Why is it You're mortally guilty, it translates. Okay. So I'll tell you that I don't see this Mishnah as talking about tzedakah. I see the first part of this Mishnah and really the whole Mishnah saying the same theme as talking about something much larger, really something about life itself. We know that tshuva, tefillah, tzedakah, ma'avir in that prayer, repentance, and charity has the ability to be able to rip up an evil decree. We say this right after the Yenisana Tokef on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, right after we talk about the awesomeness of the day and that God is judging every one of us. Mi yichya, mi yomus, who's going to live this year? Who's going to die? And we go through that whole litany of things. Who's going to have a calm life? Whose life is going to be disturbed? Who is going to have money? Who's not going to have money? Who's going to be born? Who's going to die? Who's going to have children? Who's not going to have children? And it's, it is heart-wrenching. And if you have the right chazan, it can tear your kishkes out. And then at the very end, you, the congregation joins together 
with such power and strength. What are we saying? Prayer, repentance, charity can rip up an evil decree. What we're saying is that life is not a spectator sport. Life is happening to us, but we are participants. The Rabbani Shalom has his plans. The Rabbani Shalom has his decrees, but we are participants in that. And that we have the ability to be able to shift things to the right, to the left, to our tshuva, to our tefila, to our tzedakah, through our prayer and through our repentance and through our charity. We have, when we learned the first Mishnah of this of Pirkei Avos, the second Mishnah of Pirkei Avos, we took those three things and we connected them to al shlosha dvarim olam omed, al Torah, v'al avoda, v'al gemilus chasadim. But there is perhaps an earlier source for tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah that the Medrash connects back to the tefillah of Shlomo HaMelech, of King Solomon. Shlomo HaMelech in Melachim Aleph, Perak Ches, Pasuk Lamed Hey, says, Be'otzer Shamayim v'lo'iyah matar, that the heavens are going to stop up and there's not going to be any rain. Because the Jews have sinned against you. They're going to come to pray to this place. And they are going to praise your name. And from their sins, they are going to, they're going to repent. They're going to return. And the Medrash understands that this Pasuk, if you split it into its pieces, is telling us about Tshuva, Tefillah, and Staka. Tefillah, that these Palu they're going to come pray to this place. Tshuva mechatosim yashuvu, from their sins they're going to return. And what is the Tzedaka? Vahodu eshemecha. They're going to praise your name. What does that do with Staka? It's almost as if the Medrash had, had a great, there were two things in there that were clear, tshuva and tefillah, and then they sort of yeah, quetched the rain to say, yeah, the hodu es shemecha, that's referring to tzedakah. No, the hodu es shemecha is definitely referring to tzedakah because they're making a mistake. The hodu is not to be translated here that they will praise your name, but the hodu es shemecha means from the word being moda. Admitting, giving testimony. That we're talking about a person whose act of giving is being done in such a way that the very act itself is testifying that he believes and understands that everything he owns belongs to God. With their very giving, there's no hesitation. There's a giving with a sense of all I am is God's custodian. All I am is God's investment banker. God makes a decision. He gives me a little bit of money and he says, no, let me see what you do with this. You do good, I've got more where this came from. That's why we say that the concept of tzedakah, it's not really helping the person you're giving it to. It's really helping the person that is, that is giving it. Tunis Rufus turns to Rabbi Akiva and says to Rabbi Akiva, if God loves you so much, why did he create poor Jews? 
So Rabbi Kiva says the reason God created poor Jews was in order to save the rich ones from Gehenim, to save the rich ones from hell. Because it's not the poor person that's benefiting from the tzedakah, from the charity. If the rabbinic Shalom decrees that the poor person is going to make a certain amount of money, he's going to make that money. If he's getting a dollar today, he's getting a dollar today. He comes over to you and he says to you, can you give me a dollar? And you say no. You haven't shut off this poor person. You haven't closed off his life. What you've done is closed off your own. Because you had an incredible opportunity to be able to take the gifts that God has given you and to be able to, to portion them out and to share them. To be able to use that which God gave you and to understand that all you are is just a custodian. All you are is just an investment banker. And you have an ability to be able, you have a job, you have a, you have a task, you have a responsibility to take what you have and to be able to use that with others. There are some people in this world that have their gifts dropped into their left. There are other peoples in this world that have to work hard for their gifts. There are other people in this world that actually have to ask others to help them with their gifts. But that God provides for everybody, he's providing for every single person. Everybody gets what they need ultimately. And if that's the case, all I am is just a tool. I am God's tool. I'm God's tool to deliver what God wants to deliver to the world and to the people of this world, to the citizens of the world and to my fellow Jews. I am there to help God deliver that. He gave me a pile of it and he expects me to be able to use that pile to be able to help other people. When you give tzedakah in a way, you're testifying that you believe with all of your belief, you believe with your firm and whole heart that everything you have ultimately is a gift from God and all you're doing is sharing the gift. God gave it to you to be the point person in order to be able to get that out in the world. And this is not only true with money, but this is true with everything in the world. God gave me a beautiful voice. He gave me the beautiful voice to be able to use it to benefit other people. God gave me a pen, an ability to write. He gave me an ability. He gave me something to be able to use for other people, to be able to use in the, to further his name in this world, to be able to do something good with it. Every talent, every blessing that he's given me, he's given that to me in order for me to be able to take him to use back, to give it back to him. What the mission is telling us is, is that a person has to come to the recognition and that the way that he does things, the way that he lives his life, it has to be lived in a way that he recognizes that ten lo michelo, you're giving God back everything that he owns. All you're doing is taking what he has loaned to you and you're giving it back to him. Who was the one who taught us this? Rabbi Lazarus Bartosa. Rabbi Lazar Tosa, the Gemara says of him that he was an incredibly impoverished person. One time, the Gemara tells a story of how he had to go and get a dowry for his daughter. He had to go and buy a trousseau for his daughter in the marketplace. She was about to get married. And he had some money put away, little, little meager money. He went to the marketplace and he saw the Gabait Stoka. He saw the guys that were collecting in the marketplace, going around and collecting money. He started to run after them to find out what they were collecting for. And they ran away from him. 
because they knew that you couldn't take his money. But the reason they want to take his money was not because, God forbid, the money was dirty, but because he would be willing to give away his last penny and even, even take away from himself. And they were always afraid of what kind of situation he was in, and they ran. He catches up to them and he says, what are you guys doing here? And they said, we're collecting for an orphan, marrying two orphans getting married to each other. We're collecting money so that they should get married. Rebelezish Bartosa takes the money out of his pocket and he says, if this is what has come across my way right now, then this is what I am going to do. And he takes his money and he gives it to the Gaboit Staka. He has a little bit left and he takes that little bit left and he buys a little bit of wheat. And he goes and he takes the wheat when he gets home and he throws it into his barn where he keeps the other wheat. His daughter, his wife comes home and she says to his daughter, what did daddy bring home from the, from the marketplace? So the daughter says, I don't know, let's go look. I know he threw it in the barn. As they got to the barn, the Gemara describes that the doors of the barn were bursting open because of the, of the amount of wheat that was inside. That when nobody was looking, this incredible miracle happened. And that Rebbe Lazarish was rewarded because he gave his money. He recognized, give to God what belongs to God. And God will share more with you. He'll give you what you need. He'll take care of you. And without hesitation, he took care of these, of these poor people. The end of the story, by the way, is, is that Rebelazish Bartosa wouldn't allow the family to use it because he felt that it was miraculous. That's maybe for, for another time of why he wouldn't be Nana from a, a miracle. But that Rebbe Lezabar Ishpatosa lived by the maxim that he taught. That Tainlo Mishalo, that we have to live our life realizing that whatever gifts we have, whatever blessings we have, they're given to us to be able to utilize for other people, for the good of the world, for the good of others, to be able to move people along in their way, to be able to lift people up, to be able to do things for others. And I think that the Mishnah goes on. And Rabbi Shimon tells us the same thing. Rabbi Shimon tells us that a mahalach bederach, that a person who's walking on the road, v'shayna umafsik, and he's learning. He's learning. He's walking along the road. He's doing exactly, he learned the beginning of this parak that you can't be sitting around doing nothing. He was learning Torah. And as he's learning, he sees a beautiful, a beautiful field, and he's mafsik. Most of the Rishonim do not learn it this way. But when I saw that, umafsik, I said, it wasn't just that he stopped to exclaim to God, Ma'robu Masech Hashem. He didn't stop to make a bracha, which in the larger picture would not be a batala, wouldn't really be, because you're also recognizing God. But that he was mafsik, he stopped. And he looked at that telem, he looked at that field, and he looked at that tree, a tree representing something that God himself made, a telem representing something that a human being created, 
And he looked at it and he was mafsik. He stopped. He separated. He looked at it with different eyes. And now he looked at it with eyes. Wow, isn't this amazing? But it wasn't about God's amazement. It wasn't about look what God put in this world. It was look at the beauty that's in this world. It wasn't connected to God. The first step in the mission is teaching us that you have to realize that everything, everything ultimately is connected to God. And the second half of the mission is telling us that when a person is walking and they're already connected to God and they don't have enough sense to be able to take that connection to God and to move that over into everything that comes their way, whether it's something that was created by God or something that was done by human beings, but to recognize the chachma, the wisdom, to recognize the opportunity, to recognize, look, look at what God's placed in this world. If a person doesn't have the sense to be able to look at a computer and to be able to say, God, it's amazing, God, what you've, done, what you've done. What do you mean it's amazing, God? Human beings invented the computer. No, but God gave them the chachma. He gave them the wisdom at the right time, exactly in the right place when it was necessary to have this. When we needed, when we needed internet, so then it was created. When we needed Zoom in the world, then it was created. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put that wisdom into someone else. Recognize, give it up, give it back to God because everything ultimately, ultimately we have to see that everything comes from God and our eyes have to be open enough to be able to see that. And if our learning Torah doesn't allow us, doesn't give us that strength to be able to do that, if our Torah is not clear enough to us to be able to look at it and to be able to look through those eyes in the world and to see in the world that everything ultimately is coming from Hashem, so then, it's as if you're mischayev benafsho. It doesn't say you're mischayev benafsho. It says that you just know that this ranks up there with things, things that could be corrected relatively easily. You get a different perspective, change your eyes. You mechazik yourself a little bit. But nevertheless, if you continue on this way of disconnecting, that there is holiness, there's regular things, there's God involvement and there's things where God isn't involved. So then it's Kiyu Mishayi That's a dangerous path to be on. And I think that the message of the Mishnah is, is that our eyes have to be open always. When we look at our own talents, our own assessing our own lives, when we look out into the world, our eyes have to be open and recognize the ultimate connection to God. Everything ultimately is God's. These two Mishnayas to me are not two separate ideas. I think the one flows from the other and the message that the sages are trying to, to give us rather than merely telling us that, you know, you have to have a muna bitachon, you have to trust from God, but they put it in the terms of tenlo mishalo. They put it in the terms of if you're walking and you're mafsik and you, and you separate, you have, you have a godly connection on the one hand and then you separate that connection and you look at the world through, through secular, through mundane, through physical eyes. That's, that, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous way to live. My thoughts. That's what I see the Mishnah saying. Comments.
Questions? Yes, Rabbi, I just wanted to say that he gave us the chachm, he also gave us the materials, the raw materials. You know, you That's look right. Correct, computer. correct, correct. Beautiful. That's right. It's not just the chachmah to be able to make material things, but it's also the materials to be able to make material things. I have a question, please. Sure. Um, I noticed over the last few weeks, um, I'm following um, the text with my Sonsino prayer book. Right. And I've noticed that there are differences in the numbers of right. the Mishnayot. Now, uh, today, for instance, um, it, what I see on the screen is as if it's one, right? And yet I've got number seven, uh, um, no, number eight, and number nine, right? As two but, separate ones. Correct, two separate ones, and further on down the numbering line, because the the, the Sansino and other editions of of Mishnayos, what they did was they split the Mishnayos. Especially if you had a if you had a rabbi, you have two rabbis in one mishnah. They would split that into two separate mishnayos. At the end of the day, it's the, you know, I'm using I'm using an, an original text of the uh, of the mishnah, and following its its system of numbering, and and I and and you know using it actually to help me even understand the mishnayos. In other words, if I saw these as two separate mishnayos, I could give two different classes on these on these two mishnayos. I could I could speak on the one about you know realizing that everything belongs to God and on the other I could talk about don't waste your time when you have when you're being protected by Torah so then don't 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 leave that don't leave the protection of Torah to look out into the world stay focused on your Torah okay good and I you know I could have developed a whole half hour class it would have been beautiful you would have walked away inspired it's great but I don't think that that's what it's teaching me here for me when I look at it and 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 I'm not faulting the the numbering system that others use that it's, it's beautiful. But I'm saying when, I, when I'm looking at the mission and I see the two pieces are put together in my numbering system, I'm saying they're put together for a reason. Because there's a theme that is the same between them. I want to tell you a fascinating thing. I once gave a drasha, a very, very detailed drasha about something. And after the drasha, I got into a lot of trouble. People came over to me. A person was, was screaming at me. And he said to me, is that, it, was, it was when um, uh, when there was going to be a Jewish vice president Lieberman was about to, was, you know, the, during that period of time when Lieberman was going to be voted in as vice president, you know, there was the whole, the whole question about where, who, you know, the votes in Florida. So they got the whole thing hung up. So it was about 11 days in there. Well, during those days it happened to have been the yard site of Rachli Menu. So I was very, very much opposed to having a Jew in the White House. I thought it would have been a terrible, a terrible Chil Hashem, whatever. I'm not going into that now, but it was something I was, I was very, very, very uncomfortable with. And I gave a drasha. I don't usually speak politics. Those that know me, I know speak politics from the pulpit. I never, never talked like that. But I, I looked at it from a religious way because it was the beginning of the Intifada. Nobody was, went to Rachel Menu that year. Literally, nobody was by Rachel Menu's kever on her yard site. And I said that one thing is connected to the other. The fact that, that we're celebrating, oh, isn't it great? Look at the Jews in America. We, got, we, we have a, a, a man in the White House, a Jew in the White House. And, and by Rachel Menu, who promises us that we're going back home, there was nobody by her on a yard site where there's usually tens of thousands of people. And I said that it's a, it's a, it's a terrible contrast between the two. Okay, good. I get off the pulpit. Guy, Mamish slams me. And he says to me, is that the way you interpret it? So I looked at the guy and I said like this, I don't care how you interpret it, but interpret it. Because I don't, it doesn't make a difference to me what message you get out of this. Just get a message out of it. 
don't look at these two incredibly major events and just say they happen to be, you know, coming at the same time. You know, figuring out whether whether Lieberman's going to get into the White House and nobody going to Rachmaninoff's yard site. Then don't don't just look at those two events and saying they're on two different continents and therefore they're two separate events. Look at them and say they've got something to say to each other. I don't care what you think they're saying, but just do something with it. Because in our world, you can't just let things go. You have to look at that and say, what's the connection between things? And that's the same way I look at these Mishnayas. I look at these Mishnayas and I say, if these two things, if the, 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 original, um, the, the, the original placement of these Mishnayas were as one Mishnah, even though it's two different rabbis, there's got to be a connection in the message that they're trying to teach me. And I have to find that connection. Is this the only connection? No. No, it's not the only connection. This is Wogelunter's way of connecting it. Are there other ways to connect it? Go right ahead. Gesundheit. But just make sure that you find the connection. Okay.